We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Denny Nealon, Chief Executive Officer of Barclays U.S. Consumer Bank and Barclays Bank Delaware, where he's responsible for the overall leadership and direction of Barclays Consumer Business in the U.S., which includes award-winning credit card programs and retail deposits. We've been business partners and friends for many years. And what I admire most about you, Denny, is your approachability and your genuine interest in other people. You notice and acknowledge people. You're always optimistic and someone that I really admire. So thank you so much for joining me on ROG. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. So you've got a very interesting background, Denny. Can you just give us a couple highlights so that we get to know you a little bit better? Yeah. So um, I grew up in upstate New York. A uh, little town called Vestal, New York, um, right, which is right outside of Binghamton, which is another small city, actually. Um, I'm one of nine, so I have six large, six older sisters and two older brothers. I'm the youngest of nine. So growing up in a big family, um, I've been in banking now for, I guess, 23 years, um, and 17 of which have been here at Barclays. And another, you know, six or seven, I guess, um, were with Bank One, which turned into J.P. Morgan Chase. Before that, I spent seven years as a naval officer. So my undergrad degree was from the, from the U.S. Naval Academy, and then um, served seven years as a supply corps officer uh, before getting out and coming up to to Wilmington. And so you've always been around lots of different kinds of people and different ages and interests. So it sounds like you have been among people and being like a leader around people for many years. So give me some examples of when you have witnessed generosity at work. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you one, one example of where I experienced it firsthand was in the Navy. Um, I had just gotten married. My wife was moving down to, to Norfolk to join me and, and she was a teacher um, and didn't have a job. And so, you know, we were, again, newly married. She just moved down. I was about to depart for a six-month deployment or to the Mediterranean, and she was all by herself. And, and, you know, one of the nicest things, kindest things ever was our captain, uh, Bill Moy. His wife is a teacher at a local school. And they really, she really, you know, took Lynn under her wing, um, helped get her a job as a substitute teacher, which ultimately led to a full-time job. And just, you know, while we were gone, she just helped the transition in such a personal way. And it made it so much easier for me being gone and, and for her, of course. And so I guess, you know, when I, when I think back to that, like that's that had a big impact on me because I think that what it showed me was great leadership comes from a lot of places. It's not in that case, it wasn't the captain. It was the captain's wife, you know, so it can come from a lot of different places and the other thing is really great leadership isn't such that it cares about people on company time. They care about them all the time, you know? And so I, that was a huge um, impact for us personally. And it's been something that I've recalled as I've led other people. That's incredible. And so did you have to ask for help or did they recognize? No, how? no. I mean, literally nothing. I mean, I, I didn't, we didn't ask for anything. Had the wherewithal to realize that, I mean, she probably had gone through the same thing, you know? Um, 
And she knew that, that Lynn must be going through a really tough transition and it would be a, a difficult thing. And she just, you know, reached out and was, was a, was a help. And, and it made a huge difference. What I love about that example too, is that they recognize you needed help. were willing to offer it. And then how that helped, not just Lynn, although very significantly Lynn, but to think about you then being deployed and having the comfort of knowing that Lynn has a friend and somebody who's looking out for her. Well, I mean, that kind of gets to also just, you know, culture, you know, like the old adage, you know, culture eats strategy for, for breakfast every day. I mean, I think it's true, you know, and in that case, and the Navy, I mean, not just the Navy, but all the armed forces, they have a really great culture. And it really is kind of um, geared around, you know, being a single team, regardless of your rank, having you know, clarity of mission, and then taking care of one another, you know? And so I think that those things which have made the military, you know, so strong and for such a sustained amount of time, I mean, I, I feel like if I can bring those kind of things to the corporate world, boy, it can make a huge difference. Yes. And I've personally witnessed you doing that, Denny. I wonder what are you intentionally doing to that, to that extent? Like when you're thinking about there's no rank and that everybody matters and that I want to make sure that I create a culture where people feel the, these things like what are, what are you intentionally creating in your culture? Um, you know, I think some of it is, I mean, some of it is very intentional, I think. And, and some of it is probably just been ingrained in me for so long that you just got to do it out of habit. Um, but I think, you know, part of what we try to do is we try to provide a mission that people can understand and rally around and and feel good about. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, the mission for us, um, you know, in our business, you know, we're, we're a huge bank. But in the U.S., Barclays isn't really a household name. It's not a, a brand, a consumer brand that people really know very well, which is why our strategy is a partner-led strategy, which basically means that we don't really issue card products in the Barclays brand. We do things... Um, in, in conjunction with our partners. So like we issue the JetBlue, you know, co-brand credit card. We issue the American Airlines one, you know, the Gap is going to be our newest partner next year. And, and the list goes on and on. But I guess my, my point though is our mission there is we exist to help our partners be successful. The mission statement is, you know, helping our partners exceed their goals. And, and so the team rallies around that. I mean, whether you're a finance person or a technology person or a customer service representative, Everybody knows that our mission is to help our, our partners drive loyalty with their best customers and be an extension of their brand, you know? And so I think providing that kind of clarity is really important. Um, and then I think the other thing that we feel really strongly about is, you know, we realize that um, people have choices, you know, we're not the only, we're not the only game in town. People can find jobs at different banks. They can be in other industries. So, it, you know, besides offering, you know, hopefully a fulfilling career and compensation that lets them take care of their families. I think providing a culture where you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself is really important, you know, and being able to bring your, your best self to work and your whole self to work every day, really important things. And so, you know, to that end, uh, besides, you know, you know, business strategy, we think an awful lot about, you know, in terms of being able to bring your whole self to work. Well, for us, that translates directly into, you know, diversity and inclusion kind of initiatives. You know, we're really proud of, of the, the stance we take on, on those points. And, and we take it very seriously to be able to, you know, allow people, not allow, but encourage people to bring their, their whole selves to work. You know, um, you know, diverse teams 
produce better outcomes. It is an enormous part of our corporate culture in the U.S. Consumer Bank. And, and I do think it's one of the reasons that we're able to you know, kind of create that esprit de corps and that retention of great talent because people, they, they, you know, they love working here for a host of different reasons. And that's what you really want to get to is it's not just about one thing. It's about, you know, a whole community being built, you know, and it's, it's built around those kind of foundational items. I for sure. And I, another thing that you're really built on and practiced intentionally are your core values. Two of the core values that you represent that I've heard you just speak about, one is respect. And you're talking about bringing your full self and whole self to work and how we really encourage that. And then stewardship. You know, you have had a banner year in your philanthropy and your corporate giving. And I would just love to give you an opportunity to talk about that so that people that aren't familiar with the force for good that you are in the city of Wilmington and beyond can learn more about that. Yeah. No, the... So you mentioned the two values. We have, so there are five corporate values that they are all over the wall and, and intentionally there too, because you want to make it constantly something that people not forced to think about, but is on top, you know, top of mind, you know? And so, you know, respect. So rises, you know, the R stands for respect. Uh, I stands for integrity. The S stands for service. The E stands for excellence. And the second S stands for stewardship. And so, you know, I think respect, um, I think, you know, our kind of culture, you know, we're, we're a bank, you know, I mean, it's a, it is a dog eat dog world. It is a very competitive place. And yet the thing that, um, you know, when I joined this place back in 2004, um, what I found was, yeah, it was really competitive, but we weren't competing with each other. We were competing with, with others and we were competing for customers. And so, you know, I think um, having a culture where, you know, people respect one another and treat one another the right way is really, really important. The stewardship angle, you know, is all about leaving, leaving, you know, where you are in a better place, you know, and, and, you know, back to your point of the, the citizenship work we do. Barclays, and, and what's really fantastic is, you know, I talk a lot about this little, this small part of Barclays, the U.S. Consumer Bank, you know, it's a big business, but we're lucky to be part of a really big organization that's been around for literally like 325 years. So older than the United States. Um, and yet we have such a wonderful platform because Barclays believes in being a force for good. So like the, the real, um, the real mantra that we have around this is helping people, um, achieve financial independence and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. And so most of our, most of our, our push is around, driving people into good jobs or helping people get into good jobs. And so the goal we set out a couple of years ago was to, was to help 250,000 people um, in the, you know, within our global footprint into work, get them into work. And so a lot of what we uh, invest in, you know, workforce management kind of programs. So whether, you know, it's, you know, tech impact is one of our really big partners. We just had a big, announced with them where we were providing um, financial support for for a, a big new building they have. Actually, it's, it's a really cool historical building right here on the riverfront in Wilmington, but it's the new training center for their students, you know? And, and just to, to kind of pause that example for a second, way more gratifying than just, you know, what it may sound like is it's not that we just provide money. Um, yeah, we do that, but we also provide... We have one of our, our senior executives is on the board there. We have, I mean, dozens, if not more, 
um, colleagues who are there working with Tech Impact students every every month, you know. Um, and so it's more than just money. It's more than just financial support. It's really digging in and, and trying to, you know, create a better outcome. And in doing so, I do think it's creating what I talked about earlier, where our colleagues are getting in, involved and they're not just giving dollars, they're actually giving time and they're, and, and they're invested in it and it makes a huge difference. Yes, it does make such a huge difference. And there's a couple of things that I want to unpack there because you shared a lot. One is around that focus that you have about helping people in a sustainable way. So you're saying it's not just financial and it's not just a donation. It's like that mentoring and that personal involvement in these small businesses, in these organizations like United Way with the Black and Minority Small Business, where you you uh, help support the Stand By Me Minority Small Business Program. And then with the Delaware State University, when you're working with that inclusive economy and underserved communities, like you're very strategic about the how you want to help people. You want to help people get back to work so that they can take care of themselves and their families and they can have their own wealth generation. And I just think it's it's really remarkable how specific and strategic you are about that. And then you brought up the point around why it's good for your culture, you know, why that creates an environment where your talent feels personally connected to that mission and feels proud of working for an organization that's so committed to the community. Yeah, no, it, it all goes hand in hand, you know, and I think um, the other kind of core belief that we all share is, you know, building a, a strong and inclusive you know, economy and community is really important for all of us and for our families, our children, our, you know, extended families. And, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of people in, in, in our country who haven't been given the opportunities they, that they deserve to have. And so if we can play a role and, and we have, so, so our, our race at work is what we call it, our agenda around, um, you know, looking at, you know, racial inequality and that, and that comes in that, you know, then merges right with our um, development kind of programs. You know, we think all those things come together. And as a and as a big financial institution, we do have a you know not only an opportunity to play a role, we have an obligation. You know, we feel that very very profoundly. So I think that you know this is a topic that we could talk about all day long because it's so core to kind of building the kind of business culture you know world that we all want to have. You know, and so I think that um, in this day and age, I think and also I mean it, it's it's not just us thinking about it, and I, I think we do a great job of it, but. You know, I think in order to, when you think about, you know, where people are today and you look at the, you know, the different, you know, focus groups that are done and studies that are done, people want to do business with, with companies that are, that stand for the right things, you know? And so, and I, I think that's wonderful, by the way. I mean, I know I do as a, as a consumer and I know you probably do too. Um, and so, you know, this isn't, this is something that I think all these powers, all these different influences, I think really are going to help us create stronger, more inclusive economy. Um, you know, if, if, if companies like ours do the right things. And that's what we're trying to do. When we come back, Denny will share about the value of being intentional about mindset. Introducing the brand new Quad God Podcast Network. 
At QuadPod, we have a variety of podcasts that are as unique as you. When you visit quadpod.com, you'll see our shows listed by category as well as average episode length. Find a new podcast at qodpod.com. The QuadPod Podcast Network. That's qodpod.com. And we're back with Denny Nealon, CEO for Barclays U.S. Consumer Bank and Barclays Bank Delaware. So what can you share with us around the value of being intentional about your mindset? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways I think I, I would answer that. And, and you know, one is the first thing we try to do, and you know, we can certainly always do this better, is put ourselves in our customer shoes. You know, put our you know the classic put our customers at the center of everything and make sure that you know the what's going on as a customer engages with our product or engages with our customer service when they have a problem. Because, you know, inevitably we all end up having problems, you know, from time to time with, with products that we use. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we really try to instill is putting our ourselves in our, our customer shoes, whether that be our, you know, our partner customer who we're trying to help, you know, Hawaiian Airlines sell more flights or the Hawaiian Airlines card member who is having trouble for whatever reason, with using their car, you know? So I think like that's one of the things that I think is really, really important, putting the customer at the heart of everything you do. Um, I think the other thing that we've tried to do, and we actually, um, as an organization, have kind of come up with this Barclays mindset, new lingo that we're using, but it's really, it's really spot on. And what it came from was, you know, big bureaucratic organization like ours. Yeah, not, and not that we're that, you're, well, we can be, just like all big organizations. What we found was when we got into the early stages of the COVID crisis was all the noise went away. And then it was just about how are we taking care of our colleagues? How are we taking care of our partners and our customers? Nothing else mattered. And so all of a sudden that kind of created, so coming out of it, coming out of the crisis, and I know we're we're still kind of easing our way out of this, this global pandemic, but in a lot of ways, businesses have returned to a more normal state. And one of the things that we we quickly kind of um, you know kind of came to was, holy cow! Like if you think back to um, what we achieved May of 2020 through August, when we just had to come together, there were no competing priorities. There was a single back to this mission concept, a single mission, and a really maniacal focus on each other and on our customers. All of a sudden, things got done. They got done really a lot quicker. Decisions were made quicker. And so part of what we're trying to do is how can we take that mindset and make sure we don't get lulled back into a place where we don't have that kind of focus? Because when you do, great things can happen. And it's empowering for, for the people we work with. And it's great for our customers. You know, so, so that's kind of a mindset that we're trying to take forward as a, as a silver lining um, to figure out how we can do that every day. Yeah, so it's not an afterthought. It's not a, oh, yes, let's think about after this thing has been built, how the customer or the partner is going to relate to it or react to it. It's more like from the beginning, this is the mindset we have at all times that we are in service to and partners with these individuals. How are we supporting them? I think that's so helpful. And another thing that we can all apply in our own daily lives, in our own business operations. And so I know that you don't give to get. That's not your number one reason for being generous, but you are a very generous leader. Like Denny, you have been a raider 
for so many 360s and for, you know, feedback sessions and team sessions and so many things that you do that are investments in other people. What would you say are some of the benefits of that or the returns on that kind of generosity? I mean, going, going back to my story earlier about, about Bill Moy and, you know, my experience, um, you know, I first joined my ship, um, you know, that instilled a real, a real, um, you know, sincere loyalty you know, um, to, to him and to the broader organization, you know? And so I do think that, you know, you shouldn't do it. I mean, I agree with you. It should never be give so you get back. That is, you know, people see right through that. It cannot be phony. It's got to be authentic. But I do think if you create, you know, a leadership culture where it's, where it's a servant leadership kind of culture where people are, you know, are really, where leaders are looking out for the benefit of their teams and, and the organization first, you know, I do think that in the long run pays huge dividends and it, it, it comes with, you know, loyalty and retention of great talent. And so I, I think, again, you know, it, it um, those are the benefits. And in a world where you can always find a new job, everybody coming out, especially coming out of the last two years, I think so many people are taking a step back and reconsidering what's important to them, where they want to work, what do they want to spend time doing, you know? And so I think more than ever, investing in this kind of servant leadership um, is, is just a smart thing to do. Again, I, I, I'm a big one to, to, to believe like you should always find things where the right thing and the smart thing go together. You know, if they don't go together, you're the wrong place, you know? So I, I just think that's a, a good, you know, a good rule of thumb. For sure. And now as CEO, is that something that you talk about a lot with your leadership team? Like has your role affected your thoughts on this at all? Or, you know, what is your position on creating a generous culture? I I wouldn't say it's changed because I'm CEO. I I think um, maybe I'm CEO because, because I embrace that culture and we want that culture to continue. So I, I wouldn't say this is not a personal thing at all. I think that uh, we do talk about these things. And I think that just like anything else, like I said earlier, people have choices. People hear us talk about these kind of things and how important they are and how we believe they're important to our long-term success. They, they, they opt into it, you know? So I do think that the people that we've hired like that culture, the people who have stayed want to be part of that kind of culture. So we do talk about it. And I think the people that we have around the table, you know, believe in it or else they wouldn't still be here. And, you know, I want to give you a shout out, Denny, because I've had the opportunity to lead focus groups for your organization to, to, for, there's a couple things that I want to acknowledge that I think that our listeners can apply to their own leadership style. Number one is that you get the culture survey and you don't just read it as an analysis or as a data collection. You're, you're really wanting to understand what are people saying? I think it really matters that you do that. And I want to hear your thoughts around why you think that matters. And just, I want to get your thoughts about that. To me, that just seems like who wouldn't do that, you know? So I don't think, I mean, I, well, I appreciate you saying those kind of words. I, I don't think it's that, that unusual. I, I think, um, you know, I just, you know, I'm who I am and I try to make sure that, you know, I, I treat people the way I don't want to be treated. You know, so I think that's kind of the basic thing. I think the real point of that, though, is we're all really, really lucky in one way or another. And I think it, you know, kind of having that, um, you know, that grounding and humility and realize that it's really important to give back is 
is just a really important thing that for all of us to remember. Right. And you said it earlier where you said it's our responsibility, right? To give back, to, to help people in their own businesses and in their own careers. I think it's something that is an important acknowledgement for all of us to consider is how can we share some of our abundance and our resources is from Teddy Roosevelt, which is the man in the arena that has, I think, become more popularized lately because of Brene Brown. But I love this quote and I want to get your thoughts on it. So I'm going to share it with our listeners. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph and high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. What are your thoughts on that, Denny? Growing up, I was a big reader. I, I, I read a ton of history um, and I played a lot of sports. And, and some of the books I read also were you know, sports related. But I guess the thing that always really kind of caught my imagination was people who did great things and, and how... Most of the time, um, what they did was not what was expected, um, and they either overcame great odds or they came up with a new idea, whatever the case may be. And, and I guess um, when I when I think about how that translates for me, I, I hate Monday morning quarterbacks. Like I hate those you know cold and timid souls who knock the person who actually put themselves out there. You know, and so you know, so part of it for me is. I think the reason I like it so much is, and the reason I have it in front of me every day is, I want it to remind me never to become that. I want to, I, it's not that I'm doing some, like I'm not Teddy Roosevelt, I'm not doing anything miraculous. So don't get me wrong, I don't have that kind of, uh, you know, inflated self of worth. But I think more importantly, whether it's, you know, what I try to be for my family or what, you know, what I want us to try to be as a company, you know, what I want us to be as people, like, like I, I want to try to put myself out there, but I think it, it kind of speaks to different people in different ways. Um, but I think it's pretty powerful. I love it. Yes, I agree. And the part that stands out for me is don't be a judge, right? Because I think you can't be a leader and judging at the same time. So if we aspire to lead our organizations, then we can't be the, the critic who's pointing out all the things that everyone else is doing wrong. We have to be willing to get in the arena so I love that. Well, thank you, Denny, for really living, living your values and, and creating the kind of culture that you describe, that it's not just words on a wall, like you really put that into practice. So I appreciate the kind of leader you are. And I also appreciate you as a friend. Well, thank you, Shannon. I feel very much the same way. I love what you do. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on today. Thank you. Our OG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. There are many things Denny shared for us to take into our leadership practice. Here are two, have a single mission and get into the arena. Number one, have a single mission. Here we are, it's 2022. 
first week of the year. If you had to choose one thing to make your single mission for your organization and your life this year, what is it? What is a must win for you in 2022? What does it look like? What is different at the end of Q4 than right now? How will you measure it? What will your monthly and quarterly mile markers look like? Who's involved in this mission? How will you communicate it? Galvanize the hearts and minds of the entire team to get focused on your singular mission. Number two, get into the arena. Denny's favorite quote speaks to all of us. Think of a reality or a situation that really bothers you. You think someone needs to do something. Scale out from that situation and recognize where are you? Are you in the stands judging and evaluating how others are trying and maybe failing to make an impact? Or are you in the arena? Have you spent yourself for a worthy cause, successful or not, victory or defeat, but know it's worth it? As we head into the new year, get into the arena. Trust that you have the intelligence, grit, strength, and courage, along with humility, compassion, empathy, and generosity necessary to be a force for good. As we begin 2022, have a single mission and get into the arena. Join us next week for episode 66 with Thomasina Williams. Until next week, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.